Hey, y'all, good morning. No, it's afternoon, y'all. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Alvin. I serve as lead pastor here at the church. If it's your first time here, glad you're with us. I do want to honor our good friend, Pastor Nisi, all the way from Illinois. God's just been kind to us this past season. He's just been really kind to us, and he's allowed uh, powerful people of God like our sister and friend to pass through and I'm just grateful, humbled. So thank you for being here, you and your team. Good to see y'all. Um, I would like for us to pray before I get into the message. Um, there's a war going on, and we are called to pray. Uh, before I pray, I want to share some scriptures that I think will help give you insight and equip you on how to be a part of the solution to what is happening in our world. Um, and those three scriptures, I'll just read them pretty quickly, and then we'll pray. Uh, Psalm 122, Psalm 122, verse 6 through 9, says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, Peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Second scripture is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. And that says, therefore, I exert first of all that all, sorry, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And the last scripture is Second Chronicles chapter 7, and I'll read verse 14 through 16. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be forever, sorry, be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for what your word has instructed us to pray for, and that is for the peace of Jerusalem. God, we thank you for what you have done in history through this chosen people, the Jews, Lord. I thank you, Lord. It's because of your work with the Jews that we able, we're able to have the, the legacy of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and, and the examples of faith that we lean on to this day. It's because of your work through the Jewish people, God, that, that we have the scriptures that many of us read on a daily basis and, and build our lives on. It's because of your work through the Jewish people, Lord, that we have our Messiah and our King, 
and the gospel of Jesus Christ that is saving lives to this very day, God. So we pray for peace in Jerusalem, God. But we know that it's also your will that there be peace in all nations, amongst all men. So, Lord, we lift up every nation, Lord, every nation in surrounding Israel, every nation across the world, including our own, God. We pray for peace in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray, Lord, for every governing authority, every leader that administers change and, and makes laws, Lord. We pray, Lord, for salvation for them. Lord, we pray for you to open their eyes to the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray, Lord, for salvation so that, Lord, we can experience peace in every nation, God. We know that it's your will that no one should perish, but you want for us all to have eternal life. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Peace amongst all the nations, Lord. And Lord, in Jesus' name, on behalf of our nation, on behalf of the body of Christ, on behalf of Nashville Life, I pray a prayer of repentance. God, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for the wickedness and the evil ways that we've allowed in our lives, Lord, and that we continue to entertain, Lord. We turn from those things in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask for you to purify us, to cleanse us and make us new, Lord, so that we'll be for forgiven, but also, Lord, so that you can use our prayers to change this world, Lord, so our prayers can be effective, Lord, so your kingdom can continue to come and for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, and so that we can witness the greatest revival this world has ever seen, God. So forgive us, purify our hearts, Cleanse us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all just give thanks to God for his mercy. We are in a series called Under Pressure. This is part three. Before we get into it, I would love for us to say this declaration together. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Under pressure, part three. The whole point of this month is for us to be able to approach uh, pressuring situations and see them as opportunities for us to grow, for God to be glorified, and for the lives of others to be changed and impacted for for, for Jesus. Uh, James, the book of James, chapter 1. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says that we should count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials, trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. I want to share with you all today that God's will and his vision for your life is for you to be perfect and complete in him, lacking nothing. That is his desire for your life. And the good news is that he actually has the power to make that happen. He knows how to take you to that place of being perfect and complete in him, lacking nothing. But a part of the journey that he's going to lead you on to find this place, this destination for your life, it involves trials. It involves um, 
seasons and experiences of, of pressure, sometimes great pressure. And if you uh, respond to these situations, to this pressure, the way that God is leading us and teaching us to respond, we will actually see it be the very thing that develops us and, and causes us to produce more of God's glory in our lives and then so that other people can, can be blessed as well. I've been talking about different pressures every week. And this week, I want to talk about the pressure of courage. The pressure of courage. Uh, the pressure of courage is when the decision to do what is right overrides the threat of loss. The pressure of courage is when the decision to do what is right overrides the pressure of loss. And by loss, there's all types of losses that we can experience. There's loss of relationships. There's loss of, of money. There's loss of status and reputation. And ultimately, uh, I guess most extremely, there's the loss of your life. And courage is when your decision to do what's right overrides the possibility or the threat or even the fear of those losses. Um, I was studying this and I was thinking, man, I, I want to make sure I clarify something in case someone hears something that I'm not saying. And that is uh, the difference between courage and another word called uh, foolishness. And the reason why I feel the need to clarify this because both involve seeing danger ahead and choosing to do it anyway. Um, and, but one is labeled courage and it's praised and the other one is labeled foolishness and it's discouraged. Um, and I was thinking, what's a, maybe a nice way or a helpful way to help distinguish courage from foolishness? Because like I said, both present the possibility of danger and you still choosing <laughs> to, to do it anyway. And, and the two words I want to present to you are cause and necessity. Cause and necessity are two things that I think will help you in your journey of distinguishing a courage act or a courageous act versus a foolish one. Cause is the reason for the risk. There has to be a reason for why you are risking that loss. You are risking that employment. You are risking your life. There's got to be a cause. Courageous causes are usually connected to things that promote growth or advancement or progress. And it usually is, well, I shouldn't say usually, it's always a cause that benefits more people than just yourself. Foolish causes cause you to risk employment, risk relationships, risk your life for causes that bring decline, demise, decay, and it's usually something that only benefits you. It's, it's rooted in a selfish cause or uh, indulgence. Uh, these are things that when you risk for those causes, it's considered foolish. Um, another thing is necessity, and the reason why I added necessity is because it occurred to me that you can actually take a risk for the right cause unnecessarily. Um, and just as example is, you know, let's think of, I was thinking of a good cause, and what came to my mind was world hunger, right? Like, we want to see world hunger uh, decrease. We want to see more people fed. We, we, we are 
uh, passionate about the cause of the hungry finding food. And, and my way of, of helping the cause is to commit to no longer eating or drinking for the rest of my life. I'm courageous. It's like, okay, good cause, but a very unnecessarily, unnecessary approach to seeing that cause. In fact, it actually adds to the problem. We're trying to lower the number of hunger, and you, you just added one more number to people who are hungry in the world. So good cause, but not necessary for you to risk all that for that. There are other more productive ways to, to support the cause that is good. So we want to make sure that there's both cause and necessity when it comes to courage. I was watching uh, Lion King with the family last week, and uh, there was a scene where Simba is, is, is talking about bravery, and the dad had to clarify, courage is not going out looking for trouble. He said, I'm only brave when I have to be. I'm only courageous when it's necessary. I'm not just going out trying to risk my life. But if my back is against the wall and it's time to choose what is right over my own safety, I'm going to choose what is right. So I want to make sure that we don't walk out of here being, especially the story that I'm about to tell you, I want to make sure we don't walk out of here in the name of courage and just doing dumb stuff. Um, so let's not do that, right? Um, I love this story of courage. It's in Daniel chapter 3. And it's a story of courage because it, it talks about two, uh, both of those aspects, cause and necessity. Uh, it's a story of three young uh, Hebrew boys uh, that served God, and they lived in Babylon, and they were confronted with a new law in the kingdom that, caused, uh, that called for all of them to bow down to a carved idol that was made by man. And the cause for their courage was uh, obedience to God. That's the cause of their act of courage. Uh, obedience to God is the cause. And just so you know, for your life, obedience to God is always a worthy cause to take a risk. It is always worth the risk to um, obey God and what he's calling you to do. Uh, it is in the written word that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that they were not allowed. God's command was that you should not bow down to any idol. Any image carved by man, you cannot bow down to it. So they were confronted with a situation where the law of the land they were in caused them to disobey the written word of God. Now, I want to clarify something as well. The same God that we're talking about also calls for his people to obey the laws of the land. Um, the only exception is this case when the law is asking you to go against the written word of God. And I emphasize written word of God because I don't think God takes breaking the law lightly. I don't think he takes, especially when it's in his name or it's his people. It's something that he is not for. So if ever there is a time 
that you are actually being led to not obey the laws of the land, I believe that God makes sure that you are backed up with more than just a dream or more than just a sensing of the spirit. It's going to be something that is written, uh, that God said in his word, and that is the kind of backing that the Lord, I believe, requires if ever we are uh, called to go against the laws of the governing authorities of the nation or the land that we're in. And I, I just I want to clarify that. I, I'm not a uh, holy rebellion type Christian. I don't believe in us using the name of God to defy the authorities that God called us. Uh, and just so you know, most of the authorities that have been in the world have not been righteous people. Um, so even if the leaders aren't righteous per se, we are still called to obey the laws that are set in our land unless we have a situation like this where the law is something against the written, not your preference, not your opinion, the written word of God. Amen? Are we clear on that? All right, I'm not trying to enable a bunch of, uh, I don't know, rebels out here. So uh, let's keep going. So they say no. They respectfully decline this, this, this law to, to bow down. And this is how Nebuchadnezzar responds. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 14 through 15. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands. So now we speak to this other word called necessity. Now this is a little foreign to people of our nation. We have been very blessed in the United States. It's very rare, if ever, that people in our nation are faced with this level of risk, this level of danger in order to obey God. Uh, as these Hebrew boys were in Daniel 3. They were uh, confronted with a, a life or death situation. Obey God or die. Um, disobey God and live or obey God and die. Even though the Lord is the creator of life, even though he made human life, even though he is... He, Life, human life is, is of God. He, he created it. He made it. Life, if it ever means having to disobey him, even though he is the God of life, if life means disobeying him, then death is actually his will in that context. Let me put it this way. The glory of God's creation can never be upheld to the same level as the glory of God. Another way to say it, the sanctity of God's creation can never be upheld over the sanctity of God. And I tell you that because I've seen many people become deceived and they use the argument of if God made it 
And if God created it, there's no way he would ever ask me to lose it or to lay it down. We learned last week with Abraham and Isaac, Isaac was created by God. He was a gift from God, and yet he still told Abraham to sacrifice something that he created. And Abraham had to prove that as much as he treasured God's creation, he had to treasure God more. Jesus said it this way, (laughs) quite the quote, Matthew chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus says, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Did God create your right hand? Yes. It is God's desire for you to enjoy the use of your right hand? Yes. But if keeping your right hand means that you have to sin, then it's better to not have that hand at all. Did God create life? Yes. Does God want us to enjoy our life? I believe yes. But if you are faced with the choice to sin or die, the answer is die. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood this. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. We've reached a pressure point. This is the pressure of courage. It's the title of our message, the pressure of courage. The reason why this was a pressuring situation, because I don't believe either of these boys wanted to die that day, especially not by fire and being burnt alive. I don't think that's what they wanted. But they were faced with the choice to either escape death and disobey God's command or obey God and die at the hand of the king. Disobey God and escape death or obey God and die at the hand of the king. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says in verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, Jesus says, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, it is better to be in trouble with man than to be in trouble with God. It is better to be at odds with people than to be at odds with God. And this is the logic behind it. If, 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 a, if a person wants you dead, God has the power to override that person's decision. If God is trying to take you out, no one can stop him. So logic says, I'd rather have the favor of God on my side because if God wants me alive, no man can kill me. 
If man wants me dead, God has the power to stop it. So it's wise to choose the Lord's side because if the Lord is on your side, no man has any true power over you. And this is a relevant word to this room. This is a relevant word to our generation because I truly think if many of us were honest with ourselves, we are more scared to lose relationships with people than we are to lose our relationship with God. I think if many of us were honest with ourselves, we would say we actually are more scared at the thought of offending somebody than offending God. And because our fear is greater to lose our intimacy and our connections with people than God, then we make decisions that honor our relationships with people more than we make decisions that honor our relationship with God. I believe if we can search our heart, ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart because if you prioritize your relationships with people, then tests like this will come and you will find yourself putting God to the side to protect how people see you, what people do for you, than to allow yourself to lose the relationships to honor God or in this case, lose your life. And I had to talk to us on that level because, guys, if we're not willing to lose relationships for God, how are we ever going to be willing to lose our life for God? If we aren't willing to lose our Saturdays for God, how much more, how are we ever going to be prepared to lose our lives for God if it happens? Now, hear me, what I'm saying, I don't think we should go out trying to offend people. I don't think we should go out trying to mess up our relationships. I like when people like me. And I don't mind saying that. I'd rather you like me. But the issue is when I, my desire for you to like me is stronger than my desire to please the Lord. That's when it becomes a problem. I'm not faulting you for treasuring your relationships. I'm not saying that you're wrong for valuing the things that you have in your life. But if the value for anything becomes greater than the value you have for God, when the tests come like this, it won't look well. It won't, it won't, it won't be good. So... They were talking pretty courageously. They were talking big game. And then they had to put their money where their mouth was. Then they had to actually find out for sure if this was really what they think or if this was all talk. Because when you say bold things for God, life will test you to see if you are blowing smoke or if you are really ready to say, so this is what happened. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. They made him mad. They put God before him and it made him mad. And the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it usually is heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 22 says, therefore, because the king's command was urgent. 
the furnace and the furnace exceedingly hot. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. I like this story because it shows that courage is a risk. And when there is no risk, there is no courage. And there is not an, if there is not an actual possibility that this might not work out well for me, it's not courage. Because courage is, this might not turn out the way that I want it to turn out, but I'm going to do what's right anyway. It's the, in, it's the anyway that makes something courage. A lot of us want courage and the guarantee of safety at the same time. And I get it. I want my cake and eat it too, y'all. I, I really do understand us. We want the feeling of being courageous. We want the, the title and the, the, the spirit of a courageous person. But we also want that guarantee that this is all going to work out just fine. And y'all, you can't have it. You, you can't have courage and comfort too. You can't always have your courage and your comfort too. I know we want that, but that's just, it's just, not, that's just not in the, that's just not a reality for us. I like the story because the way I would have written it was the king would have been so motivated by these guys' courage that he would say, oh, man, close that furnace up. Man, you guys are heroes. I respect y'all. Go and worship your God. Man, that's true. That's true courage. That's not reality. Sometimes you actually get thrown in to the fire. Sometimes the worst has to actually happen. Let me keep going. Are y'all okay? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. All right. Verse 24. Then, Nebuch then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. There are some people in your life, I'm making it personal, your life, who won't believe in God until they see him. The king did not believe until he saw with his own eyes a fourth person in the fire. If the three Hebrew boys were never thrown into the furnace, the king would have never seen a fourth person and therefore would have never believed in their God. 
and therefore we wouldn't have the miracle. The, let me keep reading because I don't want to get ahead of myself. Y'all, this is getting... Y'all thought that was it, right? Or no, you didn't because you might know the story. But some of y'all don't know that story. Be real. Some of y'all have never heard this. Uh, verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the fi burning fiery furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Wait a minute. Now he's calling the same... In the verse before, if you read it, there's a lower G God. He refers to Abraham, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God in a lower G God sense. Now, this same person that called God this whatever lower G God is now saying the most high capital G God. Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair on their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar, right, right, that's, that's, that's amazing, right? That's not even it. The Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So now he's the worship leader. He's, he's, leading, he's leading the praises of God. Who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king. He's talking about himself. They have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. I mean, this man is preaching now. They, their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amidst against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be. Now don't clap on this part. Shall be cut, shall be cut in pieces. I said he still had some sanctification to go through. He still had that violent streak, but God can God can work that out. And their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no y'all. This is the king. There is no other god who can deliver like this. And if that wasn't enough, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. They, I mean, the same, the same nation that was killing them for their faith adopted their faith and promoted them to leadership. And the same nation that wanted them dead for believing in God. Sometimes the miracle requires for the worse to actually happen. I don't love this reality, but it's a reality. And the sooner we swallow it, the sooner we can start seeing God do some big things in our lives. As long as you still have fear of the worse, then you can't step into courage. The Bible says that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and the part that everyone leaves out, we don't love our lives to the point of death. As long as we are still afraid of losing what we treasure, 
We can't step out in courage and risk our lives or, or risk that relationship or risk that salary to obey God and do the right thing. And the thing about it is, sometimes it's not until the worst happens that the people in your lives can believe that God is real because they got to see that this God is real. And if your life is only the same life that any heathen can experience, then it's not going to allow them to believe in a supernatural God. If you still stay within the safety of, of what everybody does, then it doesn't give the people in your lives an opportunity to be astonished by the glory of God that's on your life. Another revelation weaved in this is that your life is no longer about you. That's really one of the big takeaways. It might be the news flash for some of you. When you give your life to Jesus, you now become an instrument for his glory to reach the lives of others. You now become a vessel, an instrument, a tool in his plan for something that is greater than yourself. So yes, you are precious in his sight. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. But sometimes you will find yourself being a spoon in God's plan for somebody else to eat. Yes, you are a diamond in his eye. You are the apple of his eye. You are, but sometimes you will find yourself being a doorknob so that somebody else can walk through a door. And guys, when you find yourself in these situations, it's not because God is punishing you. In fact, it's actually the faithful that get used like this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not the castaways. They were the ones who were faithful to God, and they were the ones that God used to put in this crazy, scary death situation so that the entire kingdom of God, kingdom of Babylon, could know about God. Sometimes the miracle requires for the worst to actually happen, guys. Sometimes your courage of obeying God will cost you the job. Sometimes your courage to obey God will cost you your best friend. Sometimes your courage to obey God will cost you your actual life. But sometimes your courage to obey God will lead to a miracle. But guys, God, we don't have the, the luxury of choosing how it's going to turn out. We have to adopt the, the posture of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know that God can say, psych, never mind, you don't have to die. But I also know there's a chance where he might say, death is actually a part of the plan for you. And either way, I am doing what he has called me to do. I know you wish you had the guarantee that your boss is going to say, oh, you don't want to work on Sundays? Oh, my gosh, I'm going to give you a promotion. And now we are going to work on Sundays. I know that's how you want it to happen, but sometimes he might say those are the doors. I know you wish that that confession is going to make someone say, oh, my gosh, you were so brave for confessing. Oh, my gosh, you can go free. But sometimes it will mean you are going to serve time in jail. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to be people of courage that 
if I get saved out of this trouble or if I get to have to go through it, I'm still going to do what's right because my first priority is to please God. What courage are you willing to have for God to be glorified and for non-believers to believe? Because that's what happened with these three. When they took this risk, God was glorified and non-believers believed that God was God. What courage are you willing to have? You, not us, you. What courage are you willing to show in your life? What are you willing to lose? What are you losing to risk, uh, willing to risk for God to be glorified? Is he worth your inconvenience? Is he worth your comfort? Losing it. Is he worth losing your best friend? Is he worth losing your status and your social friend group? Is he worth losing your life? I can't answer that question. Only you can answer that question for you. If he, if the answer that you have in your heart is he's, he, he's not worth that to me, then first of all, God bless you for being honest. And know that you can change that today. If this message has, has made you realize that there might be a, a price or, a, 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 yeah, a price that you can be bought, basically. If there's something that can cause you to choose that over God and obeying him, then I believe he led you here to, make, to reveal that to you so that you can rearrange your priorities, so that you can really make God Number one, come what may. I really want my number one desire to be to please God. And that desire has been tested over the years. And I haven't always passed those tests. And when it happens, I realize there's something that I need to make a change in my life. So please don't be condemned if, if you... Don't see yourself saying, I'll choose the furnace over. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm, if I'm honest, I would say, God can forgive me later. And I'll bow down. And then I'll say, forgive me, God. Like, if you know that's you, just be real and say, I, I don't have that courage. But I want it. Let's pray. Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need you. You called us to be bold and courageous. You called us to be willing to do what is right, even if it means we have to lose it all. Lord, some people here are faced with a choice to obey you and risk losing a friendship or, or a relationship or a connection, maybe a salary, maybe a boyfriend, maybe a girlfriend. There are people here torn between choosing safety and comfort or choosing to obey what you have called and commanded them to do. God, I just pray 
that you bring courage to their hearts. Let courage rise up in them. Lord, if they don't know you, Lord, let them choose to receive you so that you can work your courage from the inside. Lord, build them up to be people who are courageous enough to do what is right, even at the risk of loss. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you open our eyes to just how great you are. And Lord, even when the worst of the worst happens, you have the ability to still turn it around for our good. Lord, for those of them who feel like they're in the fire right now, they were hoping to avoid this and it's, it's happened and they, they, they're, they're, they're tempted to think that you've abandoned them or that you haven't been for them or you didn't protect them, Lord. Let the story remind them that you're not done. You're not done. There's still a miracle on the other side of our courage. There's a miracle on the other side of your courage. So help us, God, today. Encourage us with your Holy Spirit. We need your holy boldness to obey you in this upcoming season of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let's all stand. I want to give us a chance to give our lives to the one who had the courage to endure the cross. Jesus knew that death was ahead. He knew that suffering was ahead. He knew that the crucifixion, the beatings were ahead, and he still did what was right anyway. He obeyed God, and he gave his life for us. Jesus is a man of courage. He is a courageous king. He's not a coward. And if you follow him, you will not be a coward either. If you follow Jesus, you will see you become a, you will become a person of courage. Jesus is a courageous shepherd. He's a courageous king. He's a courageous Lord. And if you follow him, he will give you his courage. Your life will never be the same. I'm speaking to the men. I'm speaking to the women. I'm speaking to all of you. The Lord wants to use your courage to change the lives of those around you. He wants to show himself strong through your life. He wants people to see his glory through your courage. So let's follow Jesus. Let's choose him today. Let's give our lives over to him today. And just watch his spirit strengthen you. Watch his spirit encourage you. And you will find yourself living a life you could have never lived without him. And lives will be saved in Jesus' name through your courage. So let's, 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 let's turn to Jesus. Let's follow him. Let's make this confession. And let's, let's, let's watch him bless, bless our lives. Say, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead. On the third day, 
Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's all say amen. Let's give God some thanks and offer up a sound, letting him know that we love him, we trust him. I'm going to ask for the prayer team to get in position, everyone who's leading in prayer. This team is here to minister. If you need prayer for anything, if you need encouragement, if you need uh, healing, um, if you need a prayer of faith, if you just if you just want some support, we won't keep you long. We're here to minister. We're here to minister God's love and just pray. We want to pray a prayer for you. So if you need prayer for anything, please don't hesitate on your way out. This team is here. They love God. They love you, and they are here to pray. So if you need prayer, don't hesitate. Um, if you want to get more connected to the church, you can text the word "belong" to seven seven four one one. It's a great way to find out what's going on. We got a lot happening this month. We got water baptism in a couple weeks. We'd love for y'all to hear what's happening in case you want to be involved. If you would like to go to next steps, we meet right after we dismiss. I'm talking more about the vision of our church. You get to meet the leadership. We'd love to meet you. But even during this time, prayer is available. So if you need ministry of any kind, don't hesitate. Let this team pray with you. If you want to give online, you can give. You can... Our team in the lobby can serve you if you want to give your offering with them. But I love you. And I just pray God's courage, his love over your life. And enjoy the rest of the day. Please know the altar is open. I love you. Enjoy it. Have a good rest of your day.